plans for drive-in church next week. So, we've been walking through the Gospel of Luke for the last few weeks um, in a series we're calling The Table because Luke uses the table as a setting for a lot of his action, whether it's in the parables that Jesus taught, the stories that he did, or uh, the, the teachings and the, the, the actions that happen. There's a lot of it that takes place around tables. It's been said that in the Gospel of Luke, Luke Jesus is either at a meal, coming from a meal, or going to a meal. And that's really true, because we see all through Luke, Jesus at the table. And, and as we're looking through that, we see that the table is about table fellowship. It's not about the food as much as it's about the people who are sharing the food. See, from the beginning, we have been made for communion, for community. We've been made to be together. In the garden, when, when God sees man, he says it's not good for man to be alone. And a lot of us are realizing that right now because we're realizing it's not good to be alone. God says it's not good for man to be alone. He needs to live in community. In the garden, man and woman walked with God. They talked with God. They had community with God in an in a intimate way, without fear, without shame, without any of those things that, that hold us back now from that relationship. And that was the way we were created. Then sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, things separated not just from one another, but we were separated from God. We didn't have that relationship anymore. And, and from that moment on, God has kept trying. God has been at work trying to set right what we destroyed. He would become friends with Abram. They would share community. Not the, the perfect friendship like in the garden, but a friendship nonetheless. Abram would be called a friend of God. And Abram would offer hospitality to God. He would welcome God to his table. Then later you would have Isaac and Jacob and Joseph all sitting at the table. In Egypt, the children of Israel, the children of Jacob, come to their brother and they, they, they meet Joseph at the table. Once again, in Genesis 43, we see the, the, the children coming to Joseph's table. And, and Joseph took portions from his own table. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. So they feasted and drank freely with him. They're, they're at the table. But Joseph's descendants, however, would become slaves in Egypt. He, they would not always have the place of prominence that Joseph had. But God wasn't done. He would find community with Moses. And with Moses, he would, he would create feasts for his people to remember him. In Exodus, they're barely out of Egypt when God is declaring to them that they should keep the feast of the unleavened bread. Exodus 23, verse 14 and 15. Three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. Then in the very next chapter, God will share a table with the elders and Moses on Mount Sinai before giving them his law. As Moses sealed the covenant of God with blood in Exodus 24, then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. 
Under his feet was a work like a pavement made of sapphires, clear as the sky itself. But God did not lay his hand on the nobles of Israel. They saw him and they ate and drank. God sharing his table. But the Israelites would still struggle. Their hospitality would fail. They, they were not always welcoming. In fact, they would grumble a lot. Psalm, records, Psalm 78 records some of their grumbling when they spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? And God would institute feasts and, and memorials like the Passover to remind the people of His deliverance. He would invite His people to eat the feast of the Passover and remember that the Lord had brought them out of slavery and into a land of promise. David would long for that community when he writes, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He's talking about God serving him, God offering him hospitality at the table that God has prepared. Solomon would build a temple for God and he would set the table of the Lord with drink and food offerings. In 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 48, Solomon made all the furnishings that were in the Lord's temple, the golden altar, the golden table on which was the bread of the presence. And there again, a table where God's presence is coming to share that table with them. The prophets would look to the future. They would talk about a day when God would come again and once again commune with man like he always had before. They would talk about, once again, God would offer them a place at his table. Isaiah will say, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up this mountain, the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. That's Isaiah 25. Because everything's been leading to the table. Everything from the beginning has been leading to the table. It's always been God's table. From the beginning, God has been hard at work creating communion. And it's all led to this moment that we find in Luke chapter 22. Jesus himself says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Because it's important to him. Paul will later say that not just Jesus' desire, but all creation has been groaning in anticipation of this time. Romans 8, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. That, that every table ever has been pointing to this table in Luke 22. The last Passover that Jesus will eat before the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. In this Passover, the Father is providing focus and direction. Just like a, a Jewish father, as he sat down in the Passover, the, the, the father would provide focus and direction. He would lead the discussion. He would explain the elements. He would give uh, his own explanation and, and his own, uh, his own uh, 
elaboration on each of the elements and what that meant as they partook of the Passover. And, and like any Jewish father, Jesus is going to sit down at the table of Passover with his children, with his disciples, with his, his apostles. And instead of focusing on the bitter herbs or, or the lamb, he focuses on Isaiah's abundant wine and bread. Instead of merely distributing the wine and bread as symbols of God's provision for his people, Jesus provides wine and bread as his very self. He's not just giving them a cup or a piece of bread. Luke's account is a bit different from the others in that he tells us about two cups. There are actually four cups that would be used in the Passover. And the, the, the cup that Jesus uses is, is traditionally the, the third cup taken after the supper. It's called the cup of redemption. Jesus calls this cup the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. The Apostle Paul is going to call it later the cup of blessing, which we bless. Uh, he's going to call it the cup of the Lord in 1 Corinthians 10. But both Jesus and Paul draw on something from Jewish tradition to provide insight that's not been previously understood. They call the cup the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood, Jesus says. He's making a direct reference to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31 talks about that there's going to be a new covenant, not like the covenant that I made with the fathers of the children of Israel, but this is going to be a new covenant. And Jesus says, this cup that I'm giving you, this cup of redemption, is the new covenant. A new covenant that's going to be sealed with my blood. This cup of redemption stood for more than just Israelites being led out of Egypt. This cup of redemption is about the purpose and plan of God. That from the beginning, God has been trying to find a way to bring us back to His table. And here, at this Passover table, at this last Passover, before Jesus' kingdom comes, before He suffers, He says, God's making that place for us. The cup of redemption. He's not merely giving food or wine. Instead, He's giving them a kingdom. He says in verse 29 of Luke 22, I confer on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. See, this table, this Passover table is an invitation to forever sit at the table of the king. It's, it's an empty chair from the beginning of time, it's all been about God bringing us back to His table. God bringing us back into communion. And over and over and over, we see that foreshadowed throughout the Bible until we get to this Passover table. And Jesus says, this table, this table right now, I'm making a new covenant that will be sealed with my blood. And you will forever be able to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. The sacrifice of Jesus is going to forever open that table. It's forever going to secure your seat at that table. See, it doesn't matter. The church does not need to be inside a building. The church does not need to be in a, in a singular place. The church is not a location it's a people. 
that have been bought with blood. And the beautiful thing about what God has given us is that in this table, even though we're separated, even though we are, are, are not having contact with one another, we are still coming together in community because we are participating, Paul says, in the body, the blood, the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're about to do this together. And, and this bread is, is not meant to be your, your feast. It's, it's not meant to be the sustenance that gets you through the week. It's meant to be your spiritual feast, your spiritual sustenance. This cup is, is a cup that, that is simply to remind us of shed blood, of a new covenant that has been paid for with the blood of Jesus. And as we partake of this bread, as we partake of this cup, we partake of communion. We sit together at the table of the king. So that's the invitation. The invitation is extended and your chair is open. Your chair is waiting at the king's table forever. That's the point of this next to last table in the, in the gospel of Luke. This table would forever be the table of the king. As we partake of these elements right now, wherever you are, you're not just finding community with those around you. You're not just finding community with other believers who are doing the same thing right now at the same time. You are finding community with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He is at the table with us. We're going to say a prayer, and I'm going to ask God for his blessings as we partake of the bread, as we partake of the cup, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to do that wherever you are. But we're going to all do that together in the same time because we're all coming together at the table of the King. Will you bow with me, please?